0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Tansen Talk Show. I am so delighted to have you on. For those of you who don't know me, I am Brandon K. Hedgepeth, the host of the show, where our mission here is to help bring people together. But without further ado, please join me in welcoming our guest today, Dev Patel, to our show. I'm so excited to have you on.
1: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on. And so first of all, how are you doing here today?
1: doing great doing great it's a it's a great day enjoying a long weekend we have fall break here so
0: that is great to hear and so first of all if you're able to go ahead and introduce yourself for the watching listening audience here today
1: sure absolutely uh my name is dave patel like you said um, uh, i'm a uh, commercial pilot multi-engine rated commercial pilot i'm also a cfi cf and i'm currently instructing here as a flight instructor at Avert University. And uh, I've been doing that for over a year now and i um, planning to go on to the airlines and here in December. So that's coming up real soon.
0: Well, that's certainly exciting. And yeah, I really can't wait to get on with this discussion. Same here. Cool. So I guess we'll start off at the very beginning. So what really made you like interested in wanting to you know, pursue either aerospace or STEM, whichever came first for you.
1: Yeah, so um, I, I I started, uh, I actually lived in Newport News for uh, over 10 years of my life. Uh, I went to high school in Denby. Um, so initially, uh, when I was like in sixth grade, seventh grade or so, somewhere in middle school, I started watching flight documentaries and stuff like that online. And then I totally got hooked on to flying and stuff. And then um, at the age of, uh, you know, like 16 or, so, or 14, I believe it was, uh, I took my first EAA Young Eagles flight, which is like a small general aviation airplane. They take you up, they fly you around. It's kind of like your first introduction to flying. And after that flight, you know, I was hooked on and I've never looked back since that day. Um, I've also, you know, after high, after middle school, um, I went into Denby High School, which has the Aviation Academy Magnet Program, which I did. And then I also got my private pilot certificate as well as my instrument rating. Um So I got my private pilot certificate when I was 17 years old. Um, So technically I couldn't even drive a car, but I could fly an airplane. And then I got my instrument rating when I was 18 and then I graduated high school and then went on to college. And uh, I'm a double major student and I graduated last December with two majors, two degrees. And uh, I also got my commercial pilot certificate, multi-engine certificate, uh, my CFI, my CFII. I'm currently working on my MEI. That check right is coming up in like two weeks. And then uh, hopefully in the next month or two, I'll go in for ATP, CTP.
0: Wow, that is impressive. And I mean, I don't even know where to start with that. But yeah, but first of all, I like how you mentioned that you were able to, yeah, that you had your pilots, you know, your private pilot's license like before you could even drive. And I think I actually remember reading an article about you, if I remember correctly from, yeah, from back then.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there were a few articles that went out, um, especially in the newsletter and stuff like that uh, in high school uh, about me getting my, you know, private pilot certificate instrument rating at that early on. Um, 17 years is is like the, you know, youngest you have to be legally to get your certificate uh, for private pilot. So I soloed when I was 16. And then like three days after I turned 17, I took my check ride for my private pilot
0: certificate. Wow. It's like you didn't waste any time. I mean, three days. Yeah. Wow. And I guess actually to take a step back, I know you mentioned that, you know, this all sort of started with flight documentaries that you were watching. So what really pushed you into getting the documentaries? Did they happen to just be on or did you seek them out?
1: Yeah, they just honestly, uh, I just saw them on like, you know, my homepage and YouTube or Netflix or wherever. And then I I was like, let's take a look into it. Right. What's wrong with it? And then, uh, you know, I just got hooked like, hey, this is this is very, you know, it like my brain just went straight to it. And, uh, you know, I was I was starting to think like a pilot. And then that's how I chose my path to becoming a commercial pilot.
0: Wow. Well, certainly, I guess YouTube should add finding careers onto their search algorithm then, because, I mean, that truly, I guess, worked out for you in setting up your career. Absolutely. Yep. But yeah, and so you know, you mentioned that you went through the yeah, Dimby Aviation Academy, yeah, you know, here in Newport News. And so, how was that experience, you know, for you as a student, especially as someone who, yep. yeah, practically knew what you wanted to do early on?
1: Exactly. So uh, I remember it was eighth grade, and the administrator, I think it was Doctor Smith. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's still the administrator right now. He walked into. Uh, my science class and he went through a presentation about the Aviation Academy, kind of like a recruitment session uh, for Denby High School. And then uh, since I was really interested in the Aviation Academy, I chose to go to Denby High School. I wasn't zoned for Denby, but since it's a magnet program, I got placed into that school. And then, um, uh, you know, year one, I chose the flight operations pathway. And then that took me through pilot one, pilot two, air traffic control, um, aircraft maintenance or management. And then um, at the end of the whole four years, you get a uh, aviation seal on your diploma as well. So,
0: Well, that's great that, you know, that that pathway was, was there and that you were able to take full advantage of it. But with you, you know, going after your private pilot's license at 17, was that a personal ambition or did the academy help you along the way or somewhere in between?
1: So it was, it was kind of in between, uh, I'd say a little bit more towards personal though, uh, because uh, you know, I went through and I did my flight training through a uh, flight FBO that was located at the airport right next to Denby. Uh, it's called Rick Aviations. And uh, that's how I got my private pilot certificate. That being said, I also learned a lot of my ground stuff um, prior to me starting to fly, which was through Denby High School and a couple online courses as well.
0: That's impressive, though. And so, you know, finishing out in high school and, of course, wanting to pursue, you know, the path. So how did you know, like, I guess what your next step was going to be in terms of whether it be further education, college or whatever the sorts?
1: Yeah. So uh, with me, what I like to do is I like to think way ahead and I like to plan everything out. So believe it or not, in high school, um, You know, as soon as I started high school, I started setting goals for myself that, hey, when I do hit 17 years old, I want to become a private pilot. Right. As soon as I get that, I'm going to start working on my instrument rating and I want to get instrument rating done before I graduate high school and I go into college. Right. That being said, when I came into college, I was and I also did dual enrollment in high school as well. So I did um, the community college for my second semester, uh, my senior year. And um so I transferred basically 35 credits into college my first year. So uh, that really set me like, you know, like a year or maybe even a year and a half ahead of everyone. And then uh, as soon as I got into college, you know, I started um, thinking about a uh, second major as well, because during that time, you know, COVID-19 was a thing and and, um, you know, there was a lot of uh, furloughing of pilots going on during that time. So it wasn't the best time to be in the industry. Uh, but again, the aviation industry has been like that, uh, throughout like the past decade, two decades or so, right. When nine 11 came, right. That's the same thing happened. And now COVID-19 and then in the next 10 years, there'll be something. So it's, it's just been like that. It's always going to be like that. Um, but that being said, um, after I did get my instrument rating, I came to college and, uh, my first year I worked on my commercial pilot certificate and then I got that. And then, uh, my fall semester my second year i got my multi-engine rating and started on my cfi i became a cfi in uh july august i want to say august of last year and i started instructing um so i've instructed this is, this would be my third semester instructing and i'm one of the head instructors at A-Ritt. Um and i'm the next one uh, to go to the airlines
0: That is impressive though, that you were able to do all this and that because you had already mapped things out, you already had planned ahead and was just, were so proactive early on that you're already at like this stage, like so quickly.
1: Absolutely. Yep. And uh, another thing to mention is uh, with the airlines, you need about 1500 hours of flight time normally. Uh, But since I went through a FA approved college uh, higher educations program, um, my hours got reduced down to 1000. Right. So that that 500 hour gap makes a big difference. If you look at it, it's about two semesters of additional instructing to build up that 500 hours of flight time. So it's very crucial that, you know, I went to a university that was certified in order to get my hours reduced down so that I could become an airline pilot um, at the age of 21 as well. Right. If you don't, if you, uh, if you don't qualify for that uh, restricted ATP, then you would have to wait until you're 23 years old.
0: Wow. I mean, that is still pretty cool that you're able to do that. And you mentioned, too, that you are a, you know, a flight instructor. I am. Yes,
1: I'm a flight instructor.
0: So was this always a part of your goal as well? And I believe you mentioned this your third semester doing that.
1: This is my third semester. And, uh, yeah, I've always, uh, looked forward to becoming a flight instructor. It started initially when I was in Newport news, getting my private pilot certificate, uh, my flight instructor, then he was a graduate of, uh, the university that I instruct at right now. And, uh, he's going to the air, he's at the airline, which I'm planning to go to here in the next two months as well. Um, so the whole aviation industry is kind of like a stepping stone, right? Um, I'm going to the airlines and then my current students are going to be in my shoes and then they'll go to the airlines. Right. So I've always wanted to become an instructor and I wanted to teach and, um, you know, spread the knowledge. And I wanted to pass on my knowledge to the next generation and they can build on it and then, you know, pass it on to the next generation. To me, I think that's, that's one of the greatest things a human being can do is pass knowledge down to someone else and they can, you know, pass it down to someone else. And I think that's how you create something that lasts forever.
0: Yeah, that is so true, though. And I'm just so glad that you're willing to, like you said, share that knowledge and continue it to pass it on, hopefully, you know, create a chain there. And so how has the experience been thus far, you know, doing it? Is it how you, you know, you thought it would be? Or what were some of the initial, I guess, fun parts and struggles um, with your now in your first semester of doing it?
1: So um, every day is different. You wake up and um, you go to instruct and, you know, every student shows up and, you know, each student is different. So you have to think through that student's specific mind and stuff like that. So, you know, my morning students, they're probably still sleepy. So you have to think of it from that viewpoint. My after, afternoon students are usually done with class and they're all, you know, grumpy and stuff. They're taking tests and quizzes and they don't want to be there. So you, you kind of have to adapt to each student. Um, but apart from that, I, I, love my job. I, I couldn't have asked for a better job, um, than becoming an instructor to build my flight time, to get to the airlines.
0: That's amazing. And I know you said that, you know, you're working up to hopefully do, yeah, commercial, which I believe you said is December.
1: So, yep. So I'm a commercial pilot right now. Uh, so the way it works is you get qualified to become a commercial pilot. And then after that you have to build flight time so like i said for me it's a thousand hours and the fastest way to do that is actually instructing so that's why i chose to become an instructor and build my flight time as fast as possible that being said i still love my job and i i enjoy the process every single day right um but yes to uh become an instructor and then go on to the airlines in in the next uh, next month and a half or so i'd say
0: So what are some of the preparations you are doing to, you know, to get ready for that? Because, I mean, that's coming up quicker than you think.
1: Oh, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And like I said, I'm one of the guys that likes to stay ahead of everything. So um, right now, I've already started studying, like, my airline stuff, my ATP, CTP. Uh, I have ground school that I study. And, uh, you know, the way airline training is broken down, they actually, the airline flies you to Texas for one week and they put you in a hotel, you do training there, uh, get qualified and then uh you go in for your in-doc training um and for me that's in dayton ohio which is about a month and a half or so they go over company procedures and ground school and stuff specific to the airplane that you will be flying and then they send you for like two weeks or so to uh charlotte north carolina to uh get your simulator training done and get certified and um uh, do your check ride and stuff like that for the airlines, and then you go in and you actually fly the jet afterwards. So uh, it's it's a long process, and uh, you know if I go in there with some amount of knowledge, um, you know I'll be ahead of everyone else in the class.
0: That's outstanding. That like you are just being so proactive and like researching what you want to do, the process of how to do it, and then just doing it. And so like for you doing this outside research, like. I guess how are you going about that for like are you asking mentors or doing online research or a little bit of everything i'm sure
1: yeah it's it's a combination of everything but uh mentors really help uh the aviation community is a very small community and uh you know you'll probably end up running into the pilot you've talked to before uh and you know we have mentors we have a lot of our alumni um, like i said my old instructor is at psa airlines which which is the airline i'm going to Um, and, uh, you know, he provides me with guidance, uh, every single day, whenever I ask him a question, he's always there. And even people that are not at that specific airline, right. They still have gone through airlines, airline training for different airlines they fly for, um, and you know, the basics are the, uh, you know, the same.
0: Well, that makes sense. And I mean, like I said, it's just so interesting to hear sort of how you've been progressing over the years and I guess. Like a longer path of learning, I guess w- when you come in and tell people like how much experience like you already have going into anything, from early on, like in your times with the aviation Academy to now, you know, well, from getting your studies and now being an instructor, I guess, how do you I don't how is it for you sort of trying to explain it to like where you are because I'm sure it probably shocks some people.
1: So where I am as far as uh, training-wise is concerned?
0: Yeah, I guess like your training and preparation, even like your work ethic towards it. Sure,
1: sure. So uh, main thing with my work ethic is uh, time management. That's very, very important uh, for every pilot, every aviation uh, person out there. Um, this industry runs on you know seconds of times, right? If, if an airplane gets delayed for 30 seconds, that can cost tes- tens and thousands of dollars the airline. So it's very, very important that you're you are um, having a proper sense of time uh, in this industry. And um, for me, I've always tried to space my things out in in the order of priority. So first, I like to, you know, do my tasks for the day, Um, do my students, those are my number one priority right now because I'm done with, um, you know, I'm done with college because I've graduated college. But uh, I'm also after I go through all of this airline training and stuff in January, I'm probably going to start doing my MBA as well to get my master's. Um, but, uh, everything is basically based off of time management. I would say, um, you know, I do my students, usually they're spread out in the morning and the afternoon. Sometimes I have to do night flights, but, uh, apart from that, I come home, you know, grab a bite to eat. And then I start going over ground school uh, whenever I have free time and, uh, you know, the more I can get done, that just puts me a little bit ahead of everyone else.
0: Well, I mean, I'm just nevertheless glad that you're at least, you know, just so persistent in making sure that you have everything covered. And like you said, I mean, you know, the importance of the second, I like how you're able to think about that even from, you know, your aviation perspective, of course, from that every second truly does matter and count. And so, yeah, and I definitely can see that, like, even just hearing a little bit of your story, like through your work, you know, your work. And so I guess for you, um, like how would, I don't know, does it ever feel a little bit surreal? Like, I guess how far you've, you know, you've come since you just like initially like got involved within the field and started working towards this goal?
1: It does. It does because, uh, you know, I'm instructing students that are a lot older than me right now in college. And, um, you know, they're like 22, 23 years old, working on a certificate that I got when I was, you know, 19 or, or 18 years old. So it it feels a little bit surreal. Um, but again, it's it just feels a lot more rewarding than uh, anything else.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear it. And so, so one of the things I really want to do is take some time to also learn a little bit more about the field and hopefully, you know, share some of that knowledge for those who may be watching or listening, and so I know, like automation, of course, has been um, becoming yeah a real part of our everyday lives. But how would how does it affect for you, like within the air, you know, well within the uh, aviation field? So automation, it is a uh,
1: lifesaver for pilots, and the main reason for that is it reduces our workload, right? That's literally the only reason why automation is great. We have autopilot, we have. Uh, tons of redundant systems that we use on a day-to-day basis. And if you think about it, right, um, when you're on the ground, you have to stay ahead of the airplane, regardless if you're on the ground or in the sky, right? You always have to be ahead of the airplane. And the bigger the airplane you're flying, the faster you're going and the faster things happen. Um, so you have to constantly be ahead of the airplane, right? Uh, right now I fly Piper Archers, which don't go that fast, but then, um, you know, after taking like a two year break from flying our multi-engine, now I'm working towards, uh, getting my multi-engine instructor certificate. So I hopped into that airplane like two days back and, and you can really tell that, you know, two years of not flying that airplane and you, you stay behind of that airplane. So it's really, really crucial that we stay ahead of the airplane. And um, autopilot, what it does is it helps us, um, you know, manage tasks, especially in, uh, in case of emergencies and stuff. If it can take a little bit of our workload over um, as far as flying the airplane is concerned um, so that we can work on more important issues like running checklists, making sure what actions we have to take, you know, talking with our company, talking with dispatch, trying to get gate arrangements or whatever done at the airport so that, um, you know, we can, we can do uh multitasking in a way inside the flight deck. Uh, that being said, auto automation, right? It, it's definitely not taking away the jobs of pilots. Uh, I don't see that happening anytime in the future at all. Uh, just because of the sole purpose of, um, you know, the fact that experience is what matters in this line. And from my experience, right, I'm I have about uh, I'd say about 600, 700 or about 800 hours or so now. Um, flying in the Piper Archer and uh, you know once you have a certain amount of flight time right uh, you kind of get used to flying that airplane you get a lot of experience flying that aircraft so uh, right now if I lose an engine right I can close my eyes and I can feel what the airplane is doing I can start switch hitting switches with my eyes closed right just because of that experience that I've built over these years Um, That being said, airline pilots as well, the same principle follows, right? Um, It's the decision-making that counts, right? And if we take out the pilots from the cockpit, you know, the automation can fly the airplane, but what it's going to do is it's going to go by the checklist and it's going to do, all right, first thing I have to do is this, second thing I have to do is this, third thing I have to do is this, whereas an experienced pilot, right? Okay, this first thing I'm not worried about right now, but the second thing is really important. I need to do this, otherwise, you know, it won't be good. And, in the aviation industry if something bad happens like right, the first five to ten seconds are really really crucial right whatever actions you take in those first five to ten seconds will determine your outcome whether you land in an airport or a field or if you end up in the tree somewhere right that those first five to ten seconds are really really critical um but uh that that that's basically uh what my viewpoint is on automation. Uh, it really, really helps, especially in uh, stressful situations such as bit flying into busier airports. And, um, you know, you have to do certain things. You have a brief stuff, you have briefly approach, briefly arrival, uh, taxi routes, right. It can get really, really hectic really, really quickly. Right. And if you throw an emergency in there, stuff just starts happening, you know, really quickly. And, um, that's why, uh, pilots are also trained in a way, uh, we really train, um, on the basis of crew resource management, which is um, basically one pilot and the other pilot working together effectively uh, in order to complete tasks. And uh, that is that is, I'd say the number one thing that we learn as airline pilots is crew resource management because we fly with different people each and every day. Um, you know, if, if I go on a three day trip, I'm flying with a captain I've never met before. Uh, the next week, if I'm going in for another two day trip, right? I'm flying with a completely different stranger. Right. But since we have been trained in a way um, with the use of crew resource management, we both know the actions that we have to take in case of a specific emergency occurring. Um, You know, we both, you know, the captain has his sets of responsibilities. I have my sets of responsibilities. Right. The pilot flying has his set. Pilot monitoring does his stuff. Right. Um, And it's like an orchestrated ballet, if you will. Right. Uh, If something wrong happens, it's just the way we train, it's, 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 magical, I'd say.
0: That's so interesting. I mean, such interesting insight. And especially like for you mentioning that, you know, while the automation is there, it's a tool that you're supposed to use and and not a replacement. And that's important to note that. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And not just autopilot. There's other tools out
1: there in the airplane. Uh, airplanes are going to get more and more technologically advanced uh, the further down the road. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as we have pilots in the cockpit that are there to monitor the systems and uh, make sure they're flying the airplane properly.
0: Well, nevertheless, I mean, that's so such, I think, valuable insight, you know, for, yeah, you know, for us to know, because I definitely know, like, every few weeks or months, we get all of these headlines about everything that automation is going to do from, you know, from the average consumer to, you know, to aviation. And so I, I definitely appreciate you answering that question and so and you mentioned in that of course that you have to meet several people several you know pilots crew members and everyone else um and alongside of course adjusting to the different aircrafts so i guess to make that two questions so i guess for you how is it like adjusting to the different aircrafts and then also meeting all the different um yeah crew members throughout your yeah your studies and then your trainings
1: sure so um Right now, we don't change crew members because that's that's more of an airline thing. Uh, But when you go into the airlines, right, you will be flying with different people. And just like I said, you know, we've been trained in a way so that, you know, the captain does his responsibilities. I do mine. We get along great. Right. If there's something bad that happens, we work together as a team effectively and we solve the problem. Right. Um, We also we had a flight competition. Um, So we went to nationals. We went to Wisconsin. Um, I was coaching the team at ABRIT and I uh, actually got ranked 14th in the nation for best crew resource management um, out of like 600 pilots, right? So uh, that competition in itself was a big, big insight as to what the real airline world works like, right? They throw us in a simulator. Uh, there's two of us and then we fly an airplane from one point to the next, right? Just like a normal flight. Uh, but then there's an emergency that happens and we have to work together as a crew to solve that emergency and, and uh, land the airplane. Right. So it was it was a great event. And uh, I think we should also start teaching a little bit more of crew resource management um, early on into the pilot, you know, syllabus, I would say, um, especially for commercial pilots.
0: So how was your experience like with the competitions and was this your first time with it? Sure.
1: So um well, my first semester into college, it was it was washed out because of uh, COVID nineteen. But then my uh, second year in college, uh, I was the vice president for the Everett uh, University flight team. So um, we uh, we did great. Uh, we got second place overall in the region, and then um, we got uh, we didn't go to nationals, so we just stayed at regionals. Uh, but uh, last year, I was promoted to the head coach for the Averett University flight team, as well ve- as well as the captain president. Right. So, uh, I had the privilege of leading this team, uh, to regionals. Um, there's 10 regions in America. And then I was, uh, we're region number 10, which we compete with, you know, schools like Liberty university, Elizabeth city, state, Hampton university, Guilford tech, Avery universities where I'm at, and also the United States Naval Academy. So we compete with all of those people. And, uh, this year in the region, uh, our team placed first. Uh, and then we went to nationals and then uh, we placed 17th place overall for all flying events combined. So if you look at it, there's over, um, you know, thousands of flight schools in America, right. And, um, going to nationals, the ones that qualify, right. There's, there's like 30 or 40 flight, uh, flight schools and, uh, we got ranked 17. So just getting to that national platform, right. Is in itself a very hard thing to do?
0: That is impressive and definitely congratulations to you and your team. Thank you so much. Of course. And how long like, was this process overall for you? Like with both the actual competition and then preparing for it? So preparing starts really
1: early on, um, like early summer is when we start. Competition is usually in October. So this year's competition, I'm also the head coach and it's coming in uh, on the 18th. So 18th is uh, when the competition starts. We're hosting it this year. So it'll be really fun. Uh, but again, you know, we've we train every single week, like at least three times a day, right? Landing events, ground events like, you know, we we break the sweat when we train. And, um, you know, I expect the same from each and every person on my team. Um, they I know they try their best every single day and uh, they come back the next day and want to do even better. So that's a great quality to have uh, for every team member.
0: Well, that is so great to you know to hear, and I guess continuing on with our overall discussion of aviation, though. So, why would you say like right now is a good time for you to become an air um, airline pilot?
1: So, great question, right? So, um, after COVID nineteen, a lot of pilots were furloughed. So, let's start there. Uh, a lot of captains were given early retirement. So, um, afterwards, there there were not enough captains to fly the airlines. Right? There were enough co pilots. But we were lacking in captains in the United States. So, in order for that, uh, what the airlines started doing is they started giving extremely high bonuses. Our pay rates have skyrocketed. I'm saying like, you know, like 300% increase. First, a regional pilot. So, let me break this down a little bit. So, the regional pilot uh, is uh, is the airline that airline pilots typically start out on before they go and fly for the majors. So, like American, Delta, United right? Those are your major airlines. Um, So we start off at regional, which are like small American Eagle jets and stuff like that, um, that you might've seen around at airports. So that's where we usually start off. And it's kind of like, if you think of it from like a medical standpoint, you know, how like a medical student has to go through residency, get some experience and then get certified, right? Similar to us, right? We, we become instructors, we get some experience, then we go to regionals. And then that's like our initial, um, you know, hands-on flying that, you know, turbine jet for the first time with paying passengers in the back. So we get some experience flying regionals and then we go into the uh, majors, right? So uh, regional pilots, they typically don't make that much, just like residency, right? Residency, they don't make that much either. Uh, It's just to get your uh, hands wet and get some experience. So uh, initially we were making about $30, $40 an hour as regional first year co-pilots. But now for the airline, I'm going into uh, PSA Airlines, which is uh, owned by American. So American owns three regional airlines, PSA, Piedmont, and Envoy. Uh, They're 100% fully owned, and uh, they operate under the American Eagle brand. And uh, their now uh, starting rate is $93 an hour and a sign-on bonus of uh, $175,000 for uh, experienced captains.
0: Wow. That is definitely a major increase right there. Yep.
1: So uh, going from about $35 an hour to about, you know, close to $95 an hour, big increase. And, um, you know, we also have unions that debate and um, they get us, you know, they represent the pilot community very well in the uh, aviation
0: industry. Well, nevertheless, that's actually like really interesting to know. Like, yeah, I mean, I just find this really fascinating that... Yeah, especially in the present day, and and so what would you say right now are I guess some of the major qualities that one would need to be successful within the industry right now.
1: So um, there, there's I'd say like three big, big qualities. One of them, which I have mentioned already, uh, crew resource management. Right, start um working with other people that you're not used to talking with right because every single day we fly with different people in the aviation industry right some people you may get along with some people you will not but you're still going to have to do the safe safe task right deliver uh, the safe flight um in in the best uh possible way right and you might have to spend you know three days with a captain that you don't really get along with very well right but uh You know, you have to remember that, hey, this is part of my job and I'm here to do my job. And, you know, he's here to do his job and and just think of it that way and and, uh, you both will get together. Um, So crew resource management is a very, very uh, important quality to have in the aviation industry. Another thing I would say is consistency. Right. Um, Always like I wake up every single day trying to be a better version of myself. Uh, I try to learn something new, right airline training. even when I was not doing airline training, I started doing some research on air traffic control and um, you know medical stuff as well because uh, a lot there are a lot of um, medical um, things that affect a pilot in the long run. if you think about stress, fatigue, right if we get overworked, how bad that can be for the safety of the flight and stuff like that. So uh, I started doing research on that. So I'd say you know waking up every day learning, uh, something new is is is, uh, is a great thing to do and uh, third and uh, not least is uh, try to be a leader uh, find something you can uh, you know lead a team in doing whether that be a sport or a club or whatever right um, and you know I'm gonna talk about a little bit of a story about you know how I got my leadership skills right um, I wasn't a big leader guy I played two sports in high school I played tennis and I played a little bit of golf so, uh, I came into, um, into college, um, and then we, uh, I started off as the vice president, my second year, um, as a vice president, I learned a lot about how to manage a team, but the true lesson I learned was, uh, when I went in for my CFI check ride, it was the day in, in, uh, July last year, when I went in for my CFI check ride. So CFI, right, that's uh, the check ride you have to do to and become an instructor, right? So um, I flew the airplane down to Burlington. Uh, my instructor, which is the chief instructor of our flight school, Mr. Travis Williams, he signed me off to go take my check ride. Uh, I get there, and this is like by far the hardest check ride that an aviation student has to go through. It's the oral portion of the check ride is like five to seven hours long. And then, and then it's it's like you're brain dead at the end of that, right? So uh, I start off with the check ride, and it's uh, the check ride is testing you on instructional knowledge. So it's not like a question answer format. It's more of like, hey, this is the topic I want you to teach me about. Start talking, don't stop talking until I tell you to stop. That's basically what the format is. So we start talking, and then um, you know we get through like the first four hours or so. Um, then I took, I take like a lunch break and I was exhausted. Come back for the last portion. It's about endorsements. So, you know, before we sign off student pilots to go solo or go for their check ride or whatever, we have to give them a certain amount of endorsements. And I think I messed up on one endorsement. So I failed my initial CFI ride because of that one endorsement that, um, that I, I was not able to, uh, you know, remember. Um, so after that, he's still like, you know, when he tells you that you failed, you know, your heart sinks, especially after like four hours of doing, you know, oral. And then you're, you think you're almost there. You, this is the final stretch. And then you're going to go fly the airplane, which is a breeze. Uh, and, and then you'll get your CFI, the hardest check ride rate. Uh, I think it has a pass rate of like 13% first time. So, um, don't quote me on that, but, uh, I'm sure you can look it up or something, but, um, I'm very hard check ride. Um, so I, I didn't pass my first time. So we went through the second port, like the oral, whole oral portion. But the thing is, if you fail the oral, you can't go fly the airplane. So we did the oral. We stopped. I flew the airplane back to Danville, where, where's I, where I'm based out of. And then uh, I get back and the instructor that signed me off, the chief flight instructor, he comes up to me and he tells me that, you know, it was his fault to not teach me a little bit more about that endorsement right? So a little, very minor thing, right? But again, a leader, right? He took my failure on himself, right? Three days later, I go back. uh, I finished the check ride, right? Do the flying portion. He said it was the best flight he's ever had with a CFI. And, you know, flying was great, not a problem. Come back to Danville as a CFI, get out the airplane. First thing my chief instructor said, your hard work paid off. Congratulations on getting the CFI, right? So do you see the significance here of a leader, right? He took my failure on himself, but when I succeeded in something, he gave, you know, me the reward for the success, basically. He gave me the credit for uh, my success, right? So I think that is a very, very important lesson that a leader is taught. And I was taught that lesson last year. And then since then, right, I've, I've just implemented that in, in, when I was a coach, in um, in the flight team and that's how we got to the first place and i think that's how we got to nationals and got 17th place in the in the nation just because of of you know having a a great leader and it wasn't just me right i also had i also had you know minor coaches like i had assistant coaches i had you know coaches for each event but um you know that was the first thing that was taught to us um from the chief flight instructor was how to be a leader and how, you know, you can pass on your knowledge to someone else. And then, you know, you can, you know, create their own dream and then, you know, they can get a vision for their dream and then hopefully they can become, you know, who knows, maybe be even better than you someday, right? Which is, uh, which is a great, great lesson that I learned um, about becoming a leader. So yeah, to sum up, right? Uh, leadership, very, very important. Uh, and you need that in the aviation industry, right? Uh, a captain to look up to, uh, or even, you know, a mentor for the young people. Um, and then uh, you have uh, crew resource management, again, very important, and then consistency, right? Always waking up and getting your tasks done, whether whether or not you feel like it or not, right? Um, so discipline, discipline is a very, very big one, right? I'm not a big believer in motivation because I feel like motivation comes and goes, right? But uh, discipline is, is something that is really, really crucial. So you wake up in the morning, right? Regardless of how you feel, you should get up and get your stuff done for the day, right? So if you have that type of mentality to get your things done, I think you will really, you know, go ahead in life and then, you know, possibly uh, get a lot of stuff done beforehand.
0: Well, nevertheless, I like that you're able to take that lesson and impart that in how you want to teach your students how to be a leader and using it yourself as well. Absolutely. Yep. I teach my guys... uh, you know, how to be a leader, right? Let's just, I, I treat it as if
1: I'm not even in the airplane when I'm instructing, hey, you're by yourself and there's there's 300 people in the back that, that are paying you money to fly them somewhere, right? So how are you gonna fly this airplane, right? Be a leader, right? If there's an emergency, I, I do a lot of scenario-based training as well. Uh, I tell them, hey, all right, the, the flight attendant is not feeling well, right? What are you gonna do, right? Okay, we're gonna talk to the company, right? Be a leader, um, you know, very scenario-based questions as well, like, Hey, uh, you know, you wake up one day and the captain is intoxicated and you're about to go fly. What are you going to do? right? Are you going to throw him under the bus or are you going to call out sick? Right. Um, Which one? So. Thinking like a leader.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you're able to do that and provide those scenarios because it's not even a like pass or fail. You also have to deal with the safety of everyone that's on there and their own safety. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Absolutely.
1: Not just not just, uh, our safety, we have to think about, uh, their safety as well as, um, the safety of other people flying in other airplanes that are around us, right? We have to be cautious for that, um, safe operations, right? If I, if I get onto a runway, which I'm not supposed to get onto, and then there's an airplane landing, not a, not am I just risking the lives of everyone on board my airplane, but I'm also risking the lives of, of people in that other airplane as well, right? So, um, our training really helps.
0: Well, I'm glad that, you know, that you are able to, let help impart that wisdom and the lessons that you have learned as well on to others. And so, and I know that, of course that you've mentioned that you really enjoy, you know, your instructing at Averett, but yeah, you know, given the chance, would you like to like continue this forward, you know, whether they are elsewhere in the future? uh instructing
1: or uh going on as an airline pilot instructing instructing uh i would say no because uh for me i value loyalty a lot more than uh other things that are uh you know more important from the worldly standpoint yeah you would say right um so you know i've i've been blessed to work under a leader like the chief that we have right and uh, i wouldn't give it away no Mm -mm i stick here.
0: I love that. And I feel like there's, I don't know, I've always been a person too that, like, I don't know, I really enjoy like making a community and then working to better like my own community. And so I really love that you, you know, that you also have that loyalty to Average and want to continue with there and yeah, helping to better the, you know, the aviation environment there.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: Yeah, and so I guess overall, like within your journey from starting to, yeah, you know, like starting your initial interest to now just you know months away from your next big step, what would you say like overall has been, I guess your favorite and most frustrating moment out of those. Uh,
1: favorite moment? Uh, there, there's you know. I can talk about favorite moments every day, every day. I have something uh, to look forward to, but um, the day that uh, we got first place in the regionals, I'd say that was a very, uh, very important moment uh, for not just me, but for, uh, you know, the person that I look up to the chief, right? We haven't uh, placed first in uh, I think the last 20 years or so before that we placed first every single year. So we've constantly placed second. So, you know, when we placed first, right, I could see kind of like that emotional attachment that he had to the flight team and, um, you know, kind of got a standpoint as to, um, you know, how serious this point can be in someone's life that has worked really hard. And, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, whatever I did was big because of him, right. Because of the knowledge that he shared with me, right. It got passed on to me and then I passed it on with the team and that's how we got first place. So all in all, it goes up to, you know, not just my flight instructor, but to every other, you know, team members flight instructor right if they didn't teach them the way they did they wouldn't
0: place uh, at all uh, and and what would you say overall is yeah whether it's in aviation or yeah or outside of that what would you say is something that you wish people had asked you more
1: ask me more about just aviation in general or
0: whether about aviation or even your personal life, cause I'm sure that, you know, from all of your accomplishments and yeah. And everything that you've done, I'm sure like a lot of people have like so many questions for you and, you know, and always want to get advice from you. But I guess, what is something that you wish someone would like, would ask you?
1: Um, you know, just, just advice. Like what advice can uh, I give to them? And, uh, I keep it very simple. Um, there's two things. Um, enjoy the process. First of all, enjoy the phase that you're going through, um, as a pilot, whether that be initially training to become a private pilot or you're a CFI, right? Once we become a CFI, it's, it's a race for us, right? We want to get to the airlines as quickly as possible, but trust me, like enjoy the process because you're not going to get these days back when you become an airline pilot, airline pilot, you'll be, you know, flying this leg to this leg, you'll become like a company puppet, whatever. Right. But, uh, Enjoy, enjoy your uh, time being a CFI, right? Um, it's the best job. Like I said, it gives you the opportunity to share your knowledge with uh, the next generation so they can pass it on, create something that lasts forever. Um, another thing I would say is uh, give back to your community. Um, you know, encourage if, if you get a chance, right? Encourage uh, the next generation of pilots that are coming in to this industry. Um, you know, and it can be as simple as you know. One day you become an airline pilot, and then there's there's a small child walking off your airplane, and he's intrigued by the switches in the cockpit, right? Invite him to come inside and sit over, and, and talk to him for five minutes, right? You never know that can change. You know that that kid's whole viewpoint on becoming a pilot, and he could choose that to be his career in the future, right? Uh, if you own an airplane in the future, go ahead and give young kids rides. That's how I got into it through the EAA Young Eagles Flight Program. Right. So do whatever it takes to, you know, give back to the community as an instructor as well. Right. You're sharing your knowledge. Right. But, um, you know, after you go to the airlines, make sure you still come back, Talk, you know, keep in touch with your students and stuff like that. Even even after you become an airline pilot to see how they're going and still give be be a big mentor to them in a way.
0: I absolutely love that. And this has just been so such a fun conversation and I'm just so like very grateful that you allowed for me to speak with you and, you know, get to you know, know you more and your story.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you as well.
0: Thank you so much. And if anyone would like to continue, like tuning into your story, like where's the best place for people online to find you?
1: So, um, Online, usually I'm not a big fan of social media. Um, so, you know, it's a very, very fine thing in the aviation industry as well, right? If you, it's, it's not a bad thing to have a social media account, right? But you have to be very careful as to what what you post on there, right? You can't post, you know, anything about flying or anything like that, right? Because your airlines will go in and they will they will find it, right? I know Delta Airline has like a staff of 50 people. So all they do is they sit in and and they go through the new hires uh, application and search their social accounts up and see what they've been posting. So that's why I I personally don't have social media. Uh, But again, like if you want to email me, right, by all means, you have my email. It's devk5265 at gmail.com. Also on LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Right. Um, Great networking platform, I think.
0: Yeah, it definitely is a great platform. And I completely understand in relation to that, because, of course, you want to make sure that you're representing, you know, the company that you work for well, the flight well, and then also for the safety of everyone, you know, they are boarding your, um, you know, your flights and everyone else in the community. Absolutely. But yeah, and last but certainly not least, I did want to ask, so... So for those who have been tuning in and watching or listening, of course, you've been giving some amazing advice throughout this episode, but to help close us out here today, what would be the last words that you'd like to tell everyone that's tuning in? I'd
1: say just, just keep working hard. Um, you know, the process is long. Uh, you're not going to get there overnight, but if you have the discipline to wake up every morning, get out of your bed and, and you know, just go into the airport for that 5 a.m. flight, right? It'll be, it'll be worth it in the long run, right? I have students right now complaining to be out at the airport at 4 a.m. I usually wake up at 3 a.m. and I'm at the airport at, you know, 4 a.m. My first student comes in at 4.30, so, uh, very, very important that you, um, stay ahead and, um, you plan ahead, right. Um, and start thinking like that, right. Because if you, if your mind starts thinking about, uh, staying ahead continuously, right. Um, that's really going to help you in the airplane. Um, even, you know, I'm, I, after takeoff, I'm like, all right, start doing the cruise checklist. We're like an hour out to land. And I'm like, all right, start briefing the approach, right. Uh, stay ahead of the airplane, whether that be, you know, like 10 minutes out or, you know, an hour out, right? Get it out of the way, right? Get it out of the way and uh, keep, yeah, just keep working hard. Um, You know, find something that pushes you uh, to do uh, what you like. Uh, For me, it's always been flying, right? I take off and then, you know, I forget about everything else, right? Um, Also, uh, the way that we get taught as pilots, right, we are able to handle critical situations. The least amount of time right so it's more of like repetition that we have to do in order to you know know it all in our head um so you know if you're going through flying start reviewing you know procedures stuff like that right know it sit in a chair and you know close your eyes and try to hit the switches that you need to do right uh go through your flows and and you know i don't know talk to your washing machine or something about uh how you fly an airplane um, it's, it's true. Like one best thing you can do is do chair flying in my opinion. Right. Uh, especially for new students. Right. Uh, we get a list of a procedure. All right. First we have to reduce the power. Then we have to do this. We have to add flaps. We have to do this. Right. Just close your eyes and sit in the chair. All right. I'm flying the airplane. Right. I'm going to reduce the power at the flap. Do this, do that. Right. Uh, just get it in your head so that when you're in the airplane, right. It just flows. Like you don't have to think right. Right now, if I get, if I lose my engine, right. I, I know what to do. Like. It's like instant, like it's instant, like, uh, all right, first thing, pitch for 76, best view, checklist, turn the magnetos, right? Switch to try different throttle mixture settings, declare an emergency, right? All of that stuff, right? It's, it's you know, once you do it enough, uh, it becomes a habit, right? So just do it ever so often that, um, that it really, uh, you know, becomes a habit for you and that'll really help.
0: That is really insightful. And like I said, thank you so much for, like I said, taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule, you know, for speaking with you know, with me and for everyone else tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. And please keep in touch. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking to you. To you as well. For those of you watching or listening, thank you all so much for tuning in. I always agree, appreciate your support. But until next time, have a wonderful day, everyone. And let's continue on our mission to bring people together. I'll see you all later. Take care.